Thanks, Chris, for leading us in the Lord's Prayer. We don't pray that prayer often enough. When I was growing up, I used to pray that prayer uh, every evening. Um, we would all pray and then we would finish with the Lord's Prayer. I was one of five kids, so this went on for some time. Uh, and I've just started teaching that prayer to my kids uh, before they go to bed. Um, they're, they're slowly getting there. Uh, before we begin, let me lead us in prayer. Father God, may your word dwell in us this evening, this week, and bear much fruit for your glory. Amen. When COVID hit, someone described it uh, as like hitting a traffic jam on the M1 just down here. Okay? We sort of sped into it, but then everything just stopped. And it took some time to get things moving again. And uh, churches, like everyone else, were taken by surprise. For the first time in, I don't know how long, we couldn't meet face to face. And around this time, a ministry called Reach Australia, whose vision is to see thousands of healthy evangelistic churches across Australia, they began asking and answering some of the hard questions that pastors and churches were facing. And there was one question in particular that loomed large, and it was this. How could Christians, how could churches continue to pursue our mission of making disciples? That task, which we had always thought difficult, now seemed hopeless. Now that our church doors were closed, now that we'd hit pause on ministries such as youth group or growth groups, now that we couldn't run evangelistic courses or intro to Christianity courses, how could Christians and churches continue to pursue our mission to make disciples? It's a very good question, and I think one that prepares us for the truth, the truths that we read of here in Acts 18. Let's catch up with Paul first because it hasn't been a terribly fruitful time in his ministry, actually. Uh, we can sometimes think of Paul as the great evangelist. And yet, Paul was never at the centre of any great revival. He saw people saved in their handfuls. His experience on the ground as a travelling evangelist wasn't overwhelmingly positive. Indeed, at times it was overwhelmingly difficult. Since he'd set out on his second missionary journey, we're in the middle of his second missionary journey now, we're toward the end of it now, he's been to Philippi in Acts 16, then he went to Thessalonica and Berea and then Athens in Acts 17. And in each location there is a standard pattern that we can observe. This is the pattern, right? In Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, Athens, he seeks out the local community of Jews he proclaims Christ. Some believe. Others are hostile. And finally, he's forced to leave. Athens being the exception where while Paul wasn't forced to leave, the people were indifferent. And there's no mention, actually, of a ministry or of a church that he left behind. So Paul's experience of Christian ministry has actually been overwhelmingly difficult. And so we can only imagine what he was thinking as he walked the 
80 kilometres or so between Athens and Corinth. Now, Corinth was uh, located, quite a large city. It was located between two harbours. It was a crossroads between the east and the west. It was economically and politically extremely influential. And it was also renowned for its immorality. You could buy anything in Corinth if you had the money. It was the ancient Las Vegas. So from our point of view, it, it was the definition of a tough, tough mission field. And actually, Paul would later write to the Corinthians, I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. Because in Corinth, the pattern started again. He begins by seeking out the local community of Jews, in this case Priscilla and Aquila, who end up being faithful co-workers and supporters of Paul. He proclaims Christ. Some believe, while others are hostile. And so what does Paul expect to happen next? How long have I got here before I'm forced to flee? And it's at this crucial moment that Jesus visits him in a vision. This is verses 8, sorry, pardon, verses 9 and 10. One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you and no one is going to attack and harm you because I have many people in this city. I have many people in this city. Jesus reassures Paul of his presence, of his power and of his providence. Jesus has people in this city that he has decided to save. Now, this is not a new idea, even in the book of Acts. Back in Acts 13, verse 38, as Paul and Barnabas preach at Pisidian Antioch, we're told there that all who were appointed to eternal life believed. Corinth may have been an unreached city, but it is not an unprepared one. Jesus has many people there who are yet unsaved. They are his people and therefore it's his mission. Right at the beginning of our series on Acts, I made the point that while the book is actually more commonly known as the Acts of the Apostles, it's more accurately described actually as the Acts of of the risen Lord Jesus. He rules and reigns above all powers and through all circumstances to fulfil his mission. And we've seen that again and again and again in Acts. In fact, in this chapter, in the scene immediately following Paul's vision, uh, Jesus' vision, sorry, Paul's vision of Jesus, Jewish leaders try and thwart this mission. But Jesus turns the tables on them. But here's the point of application for Paul. 
I have many people in this city. The point of application. Therefore, keep on speaking. Do not be silent. Isn't that interesting? That Jesus had predestined these folks to be saved, that, that they had been elected, unburdened Paul, right? The success of the mission wasn't dependent upon Paul, but it sure motivated him. Because you know what this meant, right? That Paul's ministry was guaranteed to bear fruit. Because Jesus had people in this city that he had decided to save. See that? And he uses Paul as as his means to reach them. He chose Paul in all his weakness, in all his fear, in all his trembling. And Jesus' words have a dramatic effect on Paul. The next verse, verse 11 So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half, teaching them the word of God. Paul knew that his words were not sufficient, but he also knew that they were necessary. They were the means through which Jesus would draw his people to himself. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. And some do believe. But there is no record of a revival. No record of the sort of fruit that you might have expected given Jesus' words, right? Keep on speaking, do not be silent. I have many people in this city. Now, why is that? I want to reflect on a moment, uh, for a moment, on the mission here in Corinth, right? Particularly Corinth, but also how people are typically converted. Uh, In Acts, we do read of people who uh, encounter the gospel for the very first time and they respond in faith and repentance. We've read of occasions like that in, in Acts. But people don't typically become Christians after a single conversation. There are almost always several moments and several people who are part of the story. And Paul, he knew this. Again, in his letter to the Corinthians, he would later write, What after all is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed... Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. Paul was a mere part of the story. He was was planting the seed. And later, Apollos, whom actually we meet here in Acts 18, uh, would minister in Corinth, and he just watered the seed. But it is God that makes it grow. I was recently a part of a Zoom uh, webinar Uh, where one pastor in Newcastle shared his vision that he was putting before his people, uh, actually, as they were preaching through Acts. And it was this, be a part of someone's story. Be a part of someone's 
story. And I thought that was a simple yet beautiful expression that captures something of the message of Acts and resonates with our own experience of how we ourselves became Christians or how others whom we know became Christians. As I reflect on um, how I became a Christian, my story is full of people, some of whose names I can remember and some of whose names I cannot remember, who spoke the gospel into my life. I had several Christian friends in high school, actually. We were blessed. There was a, there was a little group of us. Um, and we were close. And uh, we had other friends whom we would consciously try to engage with the gospel, although we were never really ever good at it. Um, but there was one particular friend, let's call him Andrew, and Andrew was a million miles away from Jesus. And there wasn't any indication that he had any interest whatsoever in the gospel. But being our friend, he heard it, sometimes directly, sometimes indirectly. Uh, year 12 came and went. We finished. I lost contact with him and didn't hear from him again for five years, and then I bumped into him. And it turns out that he had become a Christian. Now, the decisive moment had been had involved another person at another place in another time, but his testimony included that weird bunch of Christian friends at high school that didn't shut up. Now, I'm not the hero of that story. (laughs) Jesus is. But by his providence, I was a part of it. Frankly, I hadn't expected much, to be honest. Tonight we've slowed down in Acts so that we don't miss this because it's very, very important. As we've journeyed through Acts, we've been consistently challenged that we have a message that is worth sharing. I was reminded by some brothers, though, that that can easily become a burden That can easily become a burden, but it is a burden that we were never meant to carry. Jesus' message is not, be a great evangelist. It is, do not be silent. Paul will later write again to the Corinthians, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. All he asks of Paul and all he asks of us is to keep on speaking. Do not be silent. He takes the responsibility for his work in people's lives. They are his people. But he has a part for you to play in their stories. So tonight the message is, Be a part of someone's story. You don't have to die for their sins. Jesus has already done that. You don't have to save them. Jesus will do that. Our part is to not keep silent. And he has chosen us in all our weakness and in all our fear 
and in all our trembling. To be the means through which Jesus will draw his people to himself. Jesus himself says in John 10, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my my voice and there there shall be one flock and one shepherd. And I think we rightly believe that today, here, now, in Australia, in Queensland, on this mountain, that Jesus has many people that are yet unsaved. So what difference would it make if Jesus said to us, I have many people on this mountain? Or I have many people on your street? Or I have many people in your workplace? Or I have many people in your school? Or in your mother's group? Or in your sporting club. The point of application would be the same for us as it was for Paul, right? Keep on speaking, do not be silent. That there is a category of people who are his but are yet unsaved, that should unburden us, right? But it sure should motivate us. Because you know what this means? Your evangelism is guaranteed to be fruitful because Jesus has many people that he has decided to save. Jesus' message is not be a great evangelist, it is do not be silent. Now doesn't that change the way we think about evangelism and missions? Because all this means that we can approach the task of mission optimistically or expectantly. But do we? I'm indebted to another preacher who made this, who made this, uh, this comment. Our problem in evangelism is that we believe in a God who can, but probably won't. Does that resonate with you? Can you relate to that? But Acts 18 has taught us that he can and he certainly will. When we can't, and we never can, right? The work of salvation is entirely God's. When we can't, he does. They are his people and therefore his mission. And he asks of us, keep on speaking. Do not be silent. But know that as you do, you may not see the sort of fruit that you hope and pray for immediately. In fact, you may never see it. Someone else may see the fruit. There are always, or almost almost always, several moments and several people who are a part of the story. So here is my question tonight for you to be dwelling on, to be taking into your weeks. Are there relationships Are there contexts where you must begin to speak 
or keep on speaking and not be silent. Wherever he has placed you, in school, in, at work, at home, other contexts, other relationships where you must keep on speaking and not be silent. Ask God to help you. As pastors and churches wrestled with the many challenges and changes that COVID brought, that task which we'd always thought difficult and that now seemed hopeless became hopeful as we were reminded that Jesus rules and reigns above all powers and through all circumstances to fulfil his mission. We may have been operating under restrictions, but Jesus wasn't. When COVID hit, churches are forced to rethink and re-engage in even more creative and potentially more effective ways. And actually, there are some really creative ways that churches engage people with the gospel all throughout Australia. But, for example, most churches, for the first time in forever, we went online. And... There are hundreds, actually there are thousands of stories that are emerging out of Australian churches of people who would never set foot in a church building but who came to faith and are now rejoining churches as churches are resuming. As we continue through Acts, listen carefully for the way that this moment in Acts, Acts 18, verses 9 to 10, Paul's Jesus' vision, how this moment and these truths shape and motivate Paul and his ministry. And may they shape and motivate us too into the coming week. Let me close this in prayer. Father God, we trust that you are at work in us and through us. And we pray now for us uh, this evening that we would be challenged to be a part of someone's story. I pray that you would open doors and open conversations, that you would reveal those people and those contexts where we need to keep on speaking and not be silent. Jesus has already died for their sins. Jesus will save them if they are his people. And so we pray that you would lead us and direct us in this. We would be found faithful servants. As Paul was, may we be encouraged by this truth, that Jesus rules and reigns above all powers and through all circumstances to fulfil his mission. And we pray this in his name. Amen.